Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and please listen to the Deep Purple Podcast. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 255, Glenn Hughes from now on part two. And coming to you from the tech support suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Kit Peak Matola. Kit Peak. So I'm going to guess that that is the highest point of a certain state. And we've done what? Alabama, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Arkansas? Oh, that's that's next. This one's Arizona. Ah, crap. <laughs> you were, <laughs> hey, you know, good guess, though. Good guess. Is it the highest it's point so. in Arizona? Uh, no, the, the world's largest solar telescope is located at Kitt Peak National Observatory. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe it could be a high point because it's an observatory, but, you know. What, uh, better, what better way to observe? Yeah, there you go. All right. Fact of the day. The fact of the, yeah, so in, in, in a mere year's time, we will have gone through all 50 states. That was my thing. <laughs> that was your thing, yes. Um well, with the new computer is still, um, I transferred 1.3 million files onto this external hard drive last <laughs> oh, night. Oh, oh my not, goodness. Not all of them show related. It just, it's basically like a combination of all the different sounds and everything I've collected over the many, many years. So my second hard drive, after we're done with this episode, I'm going to export everything and then I'm going to put everything else on this hard drive and then transfer it to the computer that I'm still working on upstairs, which is still having a problem that I'm very annoyed with in Mm. that it's like the the audio is kind of stuttering and skipping. So I'm trying to get in touch with support for my audio device, but um, it's President's Day as we record this and I I think their uh, tech support office is closed today. So I couldn't reach them on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or today. So and tomorrow I'm working, so that day is pretty much out of the be- uh, out of the running. So hopefully I'll get it resolved soon. Uh, you are more patient than I, my friend. Well, I'm patient because I've got a functioning audio computer, and the whole idea was to do this while we still have a functioning audio computer, so that if something had to happen, um, we wouldn't be just not recording the show for three weeks. So <laughs> yeah, everything's true. ready to go. So once it's Fully operational, which should be pretty quick after I figured out that one glitch and problem I'm having, then we should have it, um, you know, maybe this might be the last episode recorded on the old computer. We'll see if everything goes according to plan. Okay. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. Um, All right. So, hey, folks, if you want to support our show, you can do so a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. You can buy some merch at our Etsy store. You can also become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Our show is 100% listener supported and ad free. So if you receive value from our show, consider giving us some value back. Um, You can do that by becoming a patron of the show. And that gains you access to our patrons only discord and our ratings spreadsheet. You can also donate on Cash App at dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Um, 
All right. So uh, last week we were reviewed the first half of the Glenn Hughes album, and I told you about my experience going to see Glenn Hughes in St. Charles, Illinois, the pickle capital of the world. And uh, since then, you have gone to see Glenn Hughes. Anything to report? Uh, probably, probably nothing you didn't see. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, a lot of people or, I didn't or, see <laughs> or or hear about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was, well, I was I was kind of getting the live you know, uh, the live text updates. Yeah, the, so. the blow by blows. Yeah, so I'll try to be I'll try to be as uh, well as brief as as we can be on this podcast. Meaning that this will be a short one. Ah, and um, <laughs> yes, and it won't. Um, so, um, yeah, after our episode last week, I hopped in the car and went over to Rich's and then Rich and I headed up like mid, mid afternoon, um, to, uh, New Hampshire. And, um, we, uh, we picked up his buddy, Kevin, who lives up there. And, um, then we, uh, went to a, uh, went to a comic book store, uh, that was in the area, kind of, kind of small, like a comic book, uh, um, um, like, you know, uh, I don't know what they call I mean, I don't know what it's a comic book store. I don't know what they call them now, but it's kind of those kind of small stores that they got set up and they sell like um, Funko pops. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like a pop culture type store. I don't know what you really call it these days because they had everything from, uh, uh, an autographed picture of, uh, Scott Farkas that, uh, that I took a picture <laughs> of Rich holding up to, uh, a Chucky doll to, sports jerseys and uh, oh, yeah, action yeah. figures. And it was one of those, uh, it's a fun little place, but uh, we didn't spend too, too long in there. And uh, the Gardot and the Roback were en route. And so we, uh, we met them in, um, uh, we met them at a record store, which was um, in uh, a little, a little further ways down. And uh, we had our, our, our reunion, our meet up there to which um, I picked up a piece of deep purple related merch Ooh, let's I'll see show it. you right now, which which Rich actually found, because, of course, we all went uh, to the D first. For oh, deep hey, purple. oh, hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so um, oh, he did get this. it. Nice. Yeah. So it's a, uh, a and it's a, a beautiful vinyl copy of Perfect Strangers here with the uh, with the um, um, the the shrink wrap on it and the uh, the the hype sticker and the original like strawberries sticker yeah. on it, which um, that was the part like Rich really was into the the hype sticker. He thought that yeah, was the cool. destiny I mean, brought them together. Yeah, it was, yeah. Pretty, it was pretty cool. But I don't know if he opened it up and looked inside. But this was the part that really had me impressed. Is look at the condition. Oh yeah, of this sleeve. This is like absolute perfect, perfect condition. Yeah. I mean. I mean, not a, not a scratch on it. Um, so, and it was only, um, it was only like 12 bucks. Yeah. That's a steal. Which, um, you know, I mean, to me, I would rather have, um, I mean, I know that this is probably in heavy rotation, not a very rare record, but if I'm going to pick something up that I really want, um, I would rather that, um, you know, whether be it, you know, an expensive collectible or not, is, is that it be in really good shape to me, that's worth more than, getting the the holy grail like $400 record but it's got notches and stuff yeah. all over it. Um but anyways um yeah we we headed out to dinner where we met a uh patron and friend Steve Colwell and a mm-hmm. uh, friend and um you know we had uh had something to eat went over to the venue and um we saw the um 
Uh, we immediately ran into the lead singer from Stormbringer, <laughs> the Young oh, Deep yes. Purple Tribute Band. Um, and, uh, you know, super nice. We're chatting with him for a while and other people. We missed Bad Marriage. Um, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't really on purpose. We were just they were already playing and we just like had went to grab some some drinks and we were you know, in the in the lobby area and we we're just kind of talking and we we're just we we're just kind of doing that thing. So we're like, eh. uh, we saw Chip manning the merch stand. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, well, ch- anyways, the, the bad marriage and enough's enough sets when I saw, I'm sure it was the same thing when you saw them, but they were pretty short, like 30, 40 minutes. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, unfortunately had to, um, had to miss them, but, um, it's all right. So, um, then you alerted us that, um, Ashley still, I hear burn Rose was in attendance. That's right. So we immediately found her and, uh, she was like blown away. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we, yeah, we met up with her and chatted with her for a while, like at the, uh, at the seats. Um, I handed out a few business cards. She had me sign her business card. Oh. I think, I think <laughs> eyeliner or something like that. With she eyeliner. Like, a, like a makeup pen or something. And I signed, I gave her an autograph. So it was pretty cool. Um, and we met her boyfriend as well. Both really, really, uh, really nice uh, people. Awesome. Um, and they were actually a, a couple of, a couple of rows in front of us. So we were all like, like me, like um, me and Rich were kind of like in the middle and then Gardo and everybody else and was behind us. And then they were a couple of rows in front. So we're all in the same section. Oh, that's cool. So you guys really, were just happened to be in the same area. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're very, we're all very close together. Got a great picture of the whole group of you. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was between, I think it was right before enough's enough went on or I can't remember what point, but we definitely, we grabbed it at some point uh, before, uh, Glenn. Um, so, uh, nobody wants to hear about enough's enough, but it was, um, <laughs> it was, nobody does. It was, well, I mean, what, what are we here for? Right. We're here. That's true. Uh, for, for Husey. But, um, my, my short version is, is that I really felt, um, disappointed because they were very obviously running tracks Yeah, and, um, I don't know like how you felt about it, but it really made me feel the same way as when I saw the wasp show, like yeah. the year before was is like, it doesn't scare me to death. Like Eddie Trump, but <laughs> you weren't skewered, scared out of your skin. <laughs> no, but I mean, when I, what I had a very, like the, the wasp show, like the other, uh, that I, um, that I went to, um, unknowingly with Steve Colwell, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> that we went to together, but we didn't know it. I didn't have as good of a view. This one, I had like a, a front on view and it's just, it's a different experience when you just know that it's not, all all a live show it just it's for some reason it was just really not that enjoyable okay. uh, for me i guess for whatever reason i can't explain it's not for these ethical reasons or i have some big soapbox like eddie trunk or anything <laughs> like that it's just like um personally i i get the people that don't enjoy it as much for that reason you know um so what are you gonna do um then um yeah hughes came on he did the he did all the regulars. He did his uh, mm-hmm. his shtick, you know, great as usual. Um, I have to say that. Um, he, oh, he, I don't know about the other night, but was was he dropping f bombs because he was swearing? Really? No. Yeah, he was he was saying the f word. 
<laughs> which I was just like, he's like, I'm, I'm so fucking grateful. And we we're just like, wait a minute. Does he usually do that? No, I don't, I don't think he was. No, he was I mean, he's, he's not opposed it. to it, but no, I mean, but I mean, it was just like, you know, usually he's all, you know, peace and love and I love you all. And he was doing that. But while saying the F word, maybe he had a phone call with Bruce Dickinson before the show. So it just kind of, you know, sometimes when you're hanging you around with the wrong crowd, <laughs> I love all you motherfuckers. Um, but um, yeah, no, and I mean, he wasn't mad or anything. He was like, uh, you know, he was good. Um, I There were a couple of things that was like, I have to say that, um, and I'll never say that Hughes had a bad show because, you know, it was always a great show, but I don't think he was 100% that night. Yeah. And Rich told me it was maybe it was because of the venue or vantage points or whatever. But first of all, he didn't do Highway Star. He skipped it. Really? Yeah, he mm-hmm. he came out and did the encore. They just did burn. Okay. And by the by the end of the show, it was really, really slight, but a couple of times his voice cracked. Oh man. And, maybe maybe he's starting to get sick. And he he didn't like he didn't sing all the lines, you know. I mean like he was still hitting the notes and he yeah. was still giving his all, but I could tell that he wasn't doing like all the vocal lines. And I mean, it could have been an off night for him. You know, he could have been like, All right, I ain't I ain't hitting Star Highway Star tonight, so I gotta take mm-hmm. it easy. And I mean you know, that's, that's his age. Right. Um, but it's, it was, I guess it was kind of like, uh, it took me back a little bit because I was like, Oh, you know, I mean, he, he like gave a hundred percent as he always does, but it was just, it was kind of, um, it was kind of odd to see him on what I felt was like a little bit of an off night. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he never, uh, you you never really see a crack in the armor for, for when I saw Mm. him, uh, you know, I think it was, I mean, it was what six days before you did. So I mean, he yeah. he was he was on top of his game vocally, and and his mm. bass playing was the best I've ever heard him play. Uh, so so maybe you know I'm, I you know I'm I am just getting over a day yesterday where I was just asleep and on the couch all day. I felt horrible, and you could probably still hear yeah. it in my voice a little bit. But you know maybe he got a little bit of a cold, and it just kind of slowed him down a little bit. I know <laughs> I'm lying on the couch, and this guy's gets the same cold and is probably uh yeah uh, up on stage trying to perform at his age you know so it could have been yeah. just something like that but i mean uh that being said still still a great time still a great show um we met um we met uh soren after the show oh cool um yeah he was out in the um um out in like the lobby after we went out there we um, you know, we're talking to him for a minute. I gave him uh, I gave him one of our cards and uh, he posed for a, a picture with me holding up one of our our podcast uh, business cards. Oh, nice. It's very cool. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that was it. I mean, you know, uh, a, a great time was was had by all. And, um, um, you know, we were just uh, a lot of it is the, you know, is the hang the show. I mean, we, we always say it's about the it's about the hang, too. So it's like we were like happy to get up there early and. Um, hang out with everybody. I got um, an unexpected uh, birthday uh, grab bag from uh, the Gardo and uh, <laughs> the rollback. So oh, I got no. this. Um, I got this little let's party birthday card, <laughs> which I don't know if you say uh, best wishes as you celebrate your special day, which to which he wrote in happy birthday, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> well, he X'd out the. <laughs> yes, he X'd out. So he Bruce Dickinson the card for me. <laughs> Bruce Dickinson. Um, I also got like the day after. I also got this uh, this beautiful uh, postcard from the edge. What? It's like a little like girl holding a wreath or something. 
Yeah, it's like a little cherub holding a, a birthday bouquet with a little poem on the front. <laughs> and um, it's John. Here's a birthday greeting for you. Pete, see you Friday. The, and then I got it Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So um, and then uh, I got a little gift bag, which um, it was a very eclectic gift bag, as you can imagine. Mm, yes. Uh, being from the Gardo. So I got a. Um, was there a Caldor flyer like a- in it? <laughs> No, actually, there was like um, there was like a camping flyer that he picked up at a rest stop because he's like, you like camping, don't you? <laughs> I like glamping. <laughs> glamping. <laughs> I like to hike and then go back to the uh, four star hotel. Yes, exactly. Um, and um, a little uh, like a, a straw. Uh, was it like a watermelon scented, <laughs> a watermelon scented candle? It's <laughs> very eclectic. And, a humongous jar of Stu Leonard's pasta sauce. Ooh, that's a nice one. Nice find. Yes. Connecticut um, uh, institution. Yes. So, um, and I, I thank uh, the Gardo and the rollback for that. Um, very thoughtful. Uh, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was the, that was the experience there. Couldn't have, uh, couldn't have had a better time. You know, it's always a great time to uh, meet up with everybody. I, I would say like, I mean, not oddly enough, because we were all within like two hours of being at home. But oddly enough, nobody stayed up there. Um, I thought for sure yeah. that maybe Gardo and Roback would um, just because they got a little bit longer of a trip. Yeah, they but, must be at least, what, three hours, right? Um, I, yeah, I think so. Maybe maybe a little less. But, you yeah. know, they uh, they they went back. We all went back afterwards. But, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Nice. That's that's awesome. I'm glad you guys had a good time. Um, yeah. Well, hey, before we move on to the next part, uh, we would like to thank some of our patrons um, at the executive level coming in at the in memoriam tier, the wonderful late Gerald Jerry Kelly and family at the twenty five dollar uncommon man tier. We have Ovis Nockfeet and Purple Maniac at the 15 squid tier. We have Alan. At the 10-pound good doctor tier, we have Dr. Mike Catan. Where is it? <laughs> At the turn it up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Mickel Steen, Will Porter, PhDPP, and Michael Bagford. And at the $10 someone came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. And, of course... At the Hughes Oween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. What the hell was that? It's a new, it's a new one. I incorporated Glenn's, uh, especially uh, for today's episode, <laughs> incorporated his live screaming. Um, to to bring the uh, Halloween uh, the Halloween theme even more to the front. Mm, now is that from a, is that from your show or no? It's actually from uh, uh, Burning Japan Live, and where he's doing ah. the title track of the of the album we're reviewing or finishing mm. up reviewing today. So yeah. And whenever I, it's one of those. So- well, I'll get to it when we get to that song. But uh, speaking of live shows that John just talked about on the Vi Satriani tour is coming to Chicago. I will be there April 18th with an undisclosed number of folks. So if anybody wants to meet up at that show, let me know. First time seeing them live. So I'm super excited about that. And then one more thing before we get right back into the album where we uh, where we left off last week. And of course, that one thing that we need to do is... 
That's right, folks. Postcards from the edge of Connecticut. No, oh, I should have waited. Oh, why? Well, because I showed my postcard oh, yeah. before. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. Well, 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 you know what? After you show yours, I'll, I'll read the poem that's on the front of this. How about that? Well, mine the is... The birthday um, poem. Okay, you can read the poem. Mine is not even a postcard, and I can't... Well, you know what? They put... He put the address on one side, and they put the address on the other side. It's, it's a package. So I'm going to... I can't show it on the camera, because it's got addresses on both sides. So I'm going to open it up. All right, so it's a package from the edge. A package from the edge, yes. Need some scissors here. Um, and then I'm gonna see what's in here. Who, when you said eclectic mix, I was looking at this package thinking, and now I'm looking inside of it thinking, um, yeah, that could be uh, <laughs> a little grab bag here. We might not have enough music to play this out. Ah, uh, I see where he's going already. <laughs> the first thing uh, is an old IDE cable. Okay. I think he's he's sending us supplies for the new studio computer. <laughs> Unfortunately, no IDE drives in that in that device. There's a uh, a package of hard drive screws and a little cover for the motherboard. Uh, this again, this I'm guessing these are from uh, computers from the late mid to late 90s. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a driver diskette to install a uh, like a sound card on like an old uh, hard wow. oh, hard drive install utility for a Maxtor hard drive. Oh my goodness. And there's a, uh, oh man, it's really jammed in there. It's, it's cutting through the package. I'll have to get that one last. Um, this is a, this is a cable that typically runs from like the power, or from the motherboard to the power supply, probably mm. for like the sound or something. Oh, more diskettes. <laughs> diskettes. Beavis and Butthead icons and wallpaper and Beavis and Butthead waves. <laughs> I'm gonna waves, wow. I'm going to have to see if I can get those working. It says, wow. what can we say? These are cool. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> it says, Mod modern microware, New Windsor, New York. Okay. Wow, there's, lot there's lots of stuff in here. Um, ooh, Rolling Stone Rock Trivia. Match the boringly. Here we go. So it says, match the boringly named not all that handsome artist with the 70s hit that made them famous. Oh, okay. So I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll read the answer. Alan O'Day's Undercover Angel, Loudon Wainwright III's Dead Skunk, Dean Friedman's Ariel, Andrew Gold's Lonely Boy, and Jay Ferguson's Thunder Island. What do we have here? Oh, now here's the, here's the note. And this is just from a few days ago. Um, it says, Nate, now here are some computer bits for you as you put together the new DPP computer. Enjoy, Peter. So, Wow. We've got... You know that that's like, like a cup of water out of the ocean from his friggin' attic. Oh, God, yeah. yeah don't <laughs> encourage him. He'll send more. Oh, there's another disc. Oh, it's just a blank diskette with one of the little uh, stickers. And these are three and a quarter inch diskettes. Wow. Um... And then you've got a five and a half, or I'm sorry, these are three and a half inch, and this is a five and a quarter uh, inch floppy. It says, updated PCVT, April 87, and other stuff. Wow. So some files from April of 1987 on this floppy wow. disk here. Wow, that's an OG floppy disk. Yeah. 
He didn't have any 8-inch floppy disks, I guess, to put in there. Wow. Thank you, Peter. I'm going to make sure these all go <laughs> all go into the new computer. I'm just going to open it up the side of the computer just toss all the stuff in there. <laughs> they don't connect. Yeah, they, I don't think you can get a motherboard that has ID anymore. So, well, thank you. Thank you, Pete. I'll, I'll make sure that stuff is all filed appropriately. Um, all right. Do you want to read your... Uh, your poem, and then we can get into no, it. <laughs> read my poem. Hang on, I have to. I love the Hang little, on. like the little cherub, the cherub girl, and the little wreath or whatever she's holding. So it goes. Um, as your life flows on along its way, through shady lanes and fragrant bowers, <laughs> may happiness be yours. May your path be strewn with brightest flowers there you go i was gonna say yeah you don't throw a word in like bowers that early to not end it with flowers unless you're talking about angela bowers <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> hey yo hey yo hey yo hey yo hey hey yo i think our uh, tony maselli impressions have gotten worse <laughs> a little too gravelly <laughs> maybe i should have read this like uh like tony maselli uh, through shady lanes and fragrant bowers. <laughs> fragrant bowers. Oh, Angela. <laughs> oh, fragrant bowers. Oh, Mona. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, her bowers are pretty fragrant. <laughs> so I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> her bowers are pretty fragrant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so where we left you off last week was on the track Into the Void. Oh, I don't have our spreadsheet open yet, do I? Or do I? I do have it open. Sweet. Okay. So we left you off with, um, you can check out last week's Into the Void review. And uh, the next track up is called You Were Always There. And this is like we kind of teased last week. This is one of two Hughes Thrall songs that got included in this album that was not released originally with uh, Hughes Thrall. So here we go. We'll kick it right into... You were always there. Sounds like they used the same synths they had for the Hughes Thrall album, though. Wow. I close my eyes. I can picture Carl Weathers doing one-handed push-ups. <laughs> so, so apparently these two songs, I think, I think both of the Hughes Thrall songs have demos that are out there. All right. So with Hughes Thrall. So for what, from what you said last week, what I'm getting here is like side one was all new material for the time. This side two was all older material slash demos. Yeah. Not necessarily on purpose because there weren't really sides it's just on a cd but but yeah it's, it seems like the first half were were like that but i think there's a couple i think there's one um, or two newer songs on this side but this this side is mostly recovered or redone material Kind of like that little groove. Do, do, do. 
Ooh, <laughs> that was a little tasty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's a it's a eighty sounding pop song. Yeah, but like with much of the other album, you know, this came out in '94. Yeah. So I think as we talked about last week, a little, you know, a little late to the party. A little, yeah, a little bit. But but again, he's kind of he's still in catch up mode, right? He's been out of it for a little while. He did the LA Blues Authority, and now he's. You know, he's getting into mm. the thing. And Husey kind of did his own thing anyway, so. Little uh, guitar swells there. It's, it sounds like the guitar is just low in the mix for a solo. Yeah. And that those keyboards sound very much like the Nintendo 64 uh, soundtrack. Like they're really making me think I'm playing like Wave Race 64 or something. Yeah, I don't know, man. This and like, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like that's that. Yeah. That that game had some funky songs. In fact, me and Paul did a. Uh, <laughs> we did a. We took like the, the Nintendo 64 Wave Race song that like plays after you do a level, and we just recorded it, and then we did like traded off bass solos and guitar solos over it for like eight minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was like one of the dumbest things we ever did. Hmm. Sorry, I think I cut you off. What were you going to say? No, I can wait now. <laughs> I can wait till I rate the song. That's true. It's almost over. All right. Always there. Was it? Oh, oh no, you were always there. That's the name of the song. John, well, like, always there to remind me. Oh, yeah, nobody was there to remind me what the name of the song was. All right, oh. John, what do you think of that one? Um, I give it. I am. I'll give it a two. Really? That's your lowest rating so far on the album. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not awful. It's just uh, like uh, I was gonna say before. Uh, it's just. I think that this is not on the right album. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. I, I think that there's like a time and a place for re re-recording or re-releasing old songs in like a certain vein, you know, like you said, this was an old Hughes uh, thrall song. Mm -hmm. Maybe shouldn't have been on this album. Um, I mean, it sounded like something straight out of like the mid eighties, yep. which is fine, but 
yeah, not for 94, not with this album cover and everything else. Like, I think now I remember why I wasn't really crazy about this album is because it just didn't really have a tone Mm -hmm. uh, set to it. Um, So, I mean, I would say that's like a little below the halfway mark. It wasn't even like, wasn't even like particularly an interesting 80 sounding song, in my opinion. I'll give it a, I'll give it a 2.5 for the same reasons. I think it's, uh, yeah, it makes you wonder why, why are we digging? Like, was he digging up some of these old songs to just fill it up? But again, like uh, 20 years earlier, a seven track song or seven track album would have been fine. But now here we are adding seven additional tracks to it. So, um, and I know that was kind of the style of the CD era, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the production on the album in general is it, I'm not crazy about so far, just as far as it just feels thin. Um, and yeah, like this album, if done at the time with Hughes Thrall, maybe would have had a little more oomph behind it, but yeah, it's not, maybe, a, yeah. not a bad song. Just, uh, doesn't go anywhere no. particularly crazy. Um, th- the next track up is if you don't want me to Allison's song. So Allison's song is in, is in parentheses. This one, um, or is it this one yeah, features what's the deal with this one? <laughs> what's the deal with this one? This one is, um, trying to find it here. This one is written by Hughes, uh, Jens Johansson and, uh, Pierce Slod Stodden um, and has got guest vocals by um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but May Maya um, Maja Maya, um, who is a Swedish singer and composer. Um, so she's had kind of she's she's done uh, she's done a duet with Ricky Martin and she's been mm. uh, she's she was nominated for a Grammy Award in 1998. So. Um, yeah, I don't know how you pronounce again her name, but let's uh, take a listen. This would have been fairly early on in her career. It seems like she's been active from 92 to present. So this was early on in her career. So, um, yeah, let's take a listen to If You Don't Want Me To, Allison's song. And who is Allison? her doing the that'd be funny it's just like yeah we got this prolific <laughs> swedish singer on here just to go <laughs> it could be her it could be a keyboard i'm not sure Let me 
kind of a nice ballad. Again, weird connection that I'd never think I would make again, but reminding me of like Eleni Kravitz, like he has got these kind of like sexy minimalist slow songs like this on his albums. You know that song? I want to be, won't you be my baby, baby? <laughs> That's, you know, you know what song I'm talking yeah. about? Like yeah, it reminds me of that, that song sort of thing. Yeah. Where he just breaks down after like some rock stuff and does like something super minimalist with just like a simple drum beat, a synth pad, and him singing. I'm telling you, Hughes Kravitz, a lost opportunity. Hughes Kravitz would have been great. HKP Hughes Kravitz project. <laughs> HKP. <laughs> oh. Trying to think, oh, yeah, imagine that, like Lenny there with these big super fly glasses and a friggin' Afghan around his neck, Hughes wearing his peace and love beads and his flowy blouse and everything. It'd be incredible. Man, those guys together, just the the, the, the photo shoot alone would be wild. <laughs> I don't even, they don't even need to make any music, I just deal with the photos. Yeah, you know what? Screw them, you just get them in, get them in the same room together, Photoshop some pictures of them together at least. Yeah, so I mean, this is actually very pleasant. This is a nice ballad, but it just kind of—it doesn't seem to be going any place. Well, except for this guitar solo now. <laughs> yeah, but it's still—it's just got the same groove like the whole time. There's no real like chorus or anything. But yeah. I don't think you need yeah. it. I think it's—it's it's about chilling out and yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, that's her singing, probably, right? But yeah, so far, if that was, if she is doing those ooh-ooh in that other part, it's so minimal, it does make you wonder why they brought her in. He's even backing himself up here. <laughs> oh, she's backing him up there. Okay, you're in the background there. Yep. Nice. All right. Glenn's. We'll call that a like a sexy interlude song. Yeah, it's a very kind of like a chill, yeah, a chill ballad. Yeah, after um, watching the kids all day and being a little under the weather, and want to take a little nap, 
but um, what do you think? And who's Allison? I guess we, I don't know if maybe he had a girlfriend, Allison at the time or something like that, but hmm. um, anyway, I'll give it a three. All right. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, it, um, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't really go anywhere. It was kind of long. It probably could have been a little shorter, but I mean, um, I, I thought it was a, a pretty, a pretty good listen. We sat there, we grooved along. Guitar solo was pretty good too. It kind of uh, reminded me of like a, kind of a, uh, like a Vi Satriani style solo. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I guess that's the style of the, it, it's, there's like one guitar player on this record, right? Uh, there's two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that they are, uh, from what we've been hearing anyways, is like they've been playing in that kind of style anyways. So, um, you know, if you told me this was like, uh, like one of those guys or somebody that was kind of from that school of playing, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, all right, the next track up is... Did you rate it? Oh, I didn't. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also giving it a three. <laughs> I put it in the spreadsheet like, and I didn't say anything. I don't remember if you rated it. Um, yes. So next track up is called Devil in You. I'm sorry. Wait. Yes. Devil in You. The MP3 is misnamed Devil on You. <laughs> That's, That's why interesting. I paused. <laughs> get him off, get him off. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention this is also a, the other Hughes Thrall track. Ah. Uh. something about this riff on the verse that's reminding me of something. I just can't put my finger on it. Yeah, me, me too. And I, I can't, I don't know, I can't remember. <laughs> can't think of what it is making me think of. This, when you, it's funny you mentioned Satriani. This is making me think of something Satriani, like squares or something.
Nice little organ. Uh, I don't know what they were using for an organ patch there, but it kind of was mm, something that sounded like it was trying to be a little Hammond esque. Yeah, they didn't really work. <laughs> it was like a. Yeah, I didn't hear any. <laughs> Zoom cut you out again. <laughs> Zoom does not like it when we do Hammond impressions. No. fade out there. All right. Well, that is Devil in You, John. What do you think of the Devil in You, the Devil on You? Mm. Um, I'm going to give this a solid two. All right. Um, this was the other Hughes throw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and they these weren't on the album, right? These were like demos or yeah, they, they yeah, I, I guess they had released some demos of them later, but they oh. never did like a proper recording of them. Yeah, there, there's a reason for that. <laughs> well, no, it's not it just wasn't that. It, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't say I can't say it was bad. It's just it, it was not interesting. Mm-hmm. That's. That's the best way that I can put it. There was something about that riff too that reminded me of something because that was the first thing that I thought, but it brought me back to something from around this era or earlier. When I first started listening to music, there was some band, late 80s, early 90s, something that sounded like this. I don't know if it was the production or the riff or something just that was a was a callback. And... um it it kind of made me think of it, and um, I mean, it, it gave me a little bit of nostalgia, but I mean, obviously not enough for me to be like, oh, that was good. Like, I don't think it was particularly like a good or a bad riff. It just it made me think of something. So that was really the only point of interest for me of the song. Other than that, it was just kind of like, hmm, not a very strong melody or anything. Yeah, I'll give it a 2.5. I th- I think there was nothing... I think that might have just been that there was nothing specific that it reminded me of. Mm. But it did remind me of things I was listening to around that time. Like um, well, maybe like, uh, oh, you know what? Wait, I just thought like maybe like um, like Winger. Yeah, maybe. Because they uh, I don't I don't know if I know. Maybe stuff maybe enough. the first Winger album, like the. You know, they might have. It made me think of like, like um, Mike Keneally. Like he had an album called Hat around uh, right around this time. I think it came out 92, 93, something like that. Mm. Um, nothing specific off that album, just kind of reminded me of that style. And there was just like a mm. lot of albums at that time that were, you know, doing similar things like the Satriani stuff and st- stuff like that. It reminded me yeah. of something that would have been on one of those albums. But mm-hmm. again, can't think of anything specific that it could have been. Um, but yeah, that, it, that, that wraps up the two hall. 
those two Hughes Thrall tracks, and the next one up is a um, a discarded trapeze track. Um, this one is called <laughs> Homeland. Discarded. And, yeah, <laughs> um, and I, which I think there's a there is a version, they, a trapeze version that they did release. Um, at some point later on, it wasn't released, released by this point, I don't think. But here we go. This one's called Homeland. So this is more coast to coast trapeze than black cloud trapeze. This was written by Hughes and Galley. By who? Hughes and Galley. Hughes and Galley, okay. Hard to imagine it in a trapeze setting the way it's being done here. Yeah. Yeah, that um, chorus was very a <laughs> big change, and then going back into this. That keyboard sounds so much like a Nintendo. <laughs> like the later like I don't get Nintendos. the Nintendo thing, but I wasn't as big a video game nerd as you, so. It actually sounds ex- ex- exactly like like some of the Nintendo Wii games. And my kids have been playing them a lot lately, so that maybe that's why it's in my head. It sounds like Wii Bowling. We should have had the uh, demos ready for a quick compare and contrast, but... Mm. Yeah, I just feel like there's there's too much slickness all over all this. Right, right. I mean, especially if you're going to be doing... Trapeze stuff. I don't know the way that I want to hear trapeze is like this. Yeah. 
Oh, a nice little, nice little bass fill there. Yeah, and I think we're seeing, again, I think we talked about this last week, but him trying to get on his feet again and find where he's, where he's at. Oh, and there's my dog mm. ruining the show. All right, that's Homeland. John, what do you what do you give Homeland? Um, I'll I'll give a I'll give Homeland a solid two point five. All right. Um, I think it's just like another, um, I mean, it actually, it had a, it had a pretty catchy chorus, but overall, I just think another kind of a, not really a memorable song. Yeah. I will agree with you on the 2.5 and let's listen to trapeze doing this song live and let's see if, let's see what the uh, difference is. Now, how long ago was this? Well, this is actually them doing it live in 1992. Oh. But it is with the whole band. That's not much. <laughs> this could be any song. <laughs> Here we go. So not terribly different, but it's got a improves a little bit with the live performance. Well, here where it gets to the heavy part too. See what. So I'm assuming this was written during their kind of brief reunion in the 90s there. What? I'm assuming this was written. <laughs> it's too loud. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming this was, I'll, I'll stop yeah. it. But I'm assuming this was um, written by their little written. brief, and their little brief reunion, because it doesn't sound like their 70s stuff. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't. But I'll have to say that there was there was a little bit of improvement with the live performance, the tempo. The um, I'm assuming if if they weren't if they weren't if it wasn't a drum machine or drum programming, like with no production on it, it sounds better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All uh, right, you know, a little like that live energy behind it. So, so that takes us to the title track. All after all this time, we're coming to the title track, track number the, twelve. The titular, the titular. Thank you. Um, the titular from now on. And I know this mostly from Burning Japan Live. So, it's interesting to have your title track as your last track on the album. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a choice. If he does the, uh, this is where I got the on the live version his little uh, thing that I put into the Huzoin jingle. So, and this is one of those songs that kind of. I think we've talked about this before. There's certain songs when you pair your Bluetooth on your car that it just goes to automatically by default. Yeah. Usually it's like something early in alphabetical order, but this is one of those songs where I feel like I've heard the beginning of it a thousand times because <laughs> my car would always be like, oh, I know what you want to listen to. And I'm like, every <laughs> time. This Glenn Hughes song. This one, like, track in the middle of his live performance. I don't know why it would select this one. It's not first alphabetically. This is he does this pretty faithfully on Burning Japan. Hmm.
And I, I like this song lyrically. And musically. I, I dig it. I mean, it's... um. But I think it's all... The, yeah, it's the whole album is very... Yeah, I like, mean, it's a good... It's, it's not a bad chorus. But the whole album does have like a like a light feeling to it. Yeah, like a light light rock. And I think like when you look at some of his more recent stuff, I mean, obviously it's thirty years later, but everything is so like pop, like so strong and powerful and in your face and brick wall compressed. And when you go listen to something like this, it's almost want to just kind of meet meet. And it's not just him. I mean, everybody's kind of doing music that way now. But um, for me, I would love to hear like a meeting in the middle somewhere between the kind of light, trebly production on this and that. Like, I mean, that's like the I'm thinking of like the latest, like the the Dead Daisy albums, where it just like mm. it's um. Well, there's a lot of songs on there that I really like, but man, it's like they can. It's just like an all out audio onslaught it can get a little fatiguing and it's not it, like I said that's just production these days but yeah um so uh yeah that's from now on John where you where you rank that one um I'll give it a I'll give it a 2.5 all right you're pretty you've been pretty consistent this whole life. yeah I mean that's that's middle of the road um I think for most of these 2.5s it's the it's the uh it's like the chorus I mean, it has a really good, like, um, like a, a chorus melody. And that's the thing is, is like, I, I feel like a lot of these songs, they have like, they have like the catchy chorus and then that's, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, not, not, uh, not too, not too fond of the, the album thus far. <laughs> All right. Well, we've only got two deep purple tracks to close it out, but um, I will give it a 3.5. I, I do like that track. That's one of my favorites on the album. But um, yeah, we're going to have two deep purple tracks and I've purposefully not listened to these just to make sure that um, <clears throat> keeping it fresh because they I are not on the copy that I have. I think Burt, both of them are bonus tracks and I can't remember which they come from, but I think the, the burn comes from the Japanese release and then burn and you keep on moving. We're on the U S release or, or vice versa. I don't remember. Uh, don't correct me. I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, so let's start with burn and see, does he put a different spin on it? Does it sound like everything else on the album? Is it going to sound like deep purple or something in between? Let's check it out. And these were recorded at a different time with different musicians in a different studio, I believe. So we might oh, have something different on our hands. So here we go. Here's Burn. You already, you could tell it's not. <laughs> it's it's not even like the same studio or anything. Ian Hogland on drums, who is um, in Europe and also Baltimore. Yeah, 
And I believe Glenn is on base on these, but I could be wrong. Let's see. A good guitar tone there. Or yep. maybe not the tone. The tone is still a little buzzy, but it's like a good sound. Like it's got a good like kind of reverb to it. This part like is really replicated it really well from the Burn album. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Well, we don't know yet. He hasn't gotten there. Well, yet. he might do it later. Yeah. Saying he sings it pretty faithfully to how he did on the record, the original. Yep. Yeah. So in the liner notes, it says, Glenn Hughes composes and performs on Landola, the finest acoustic guitars in the world, uses Dean Markley strings, and wears Rocco Baracco leather and hot tuna clothing. Of course. Hot tuna. So I guess if this is accurate to the guitarist, is both guitarists playing at this point and trading off those solos. That was pretty cool. Hmm. <laughs> that was a little different, little twist on it. I like that. Yeah. It says Thomas Larson and Eric uh, Boyfelt use the SP guitars, Dean Markley strings, and gay whore amplifiers. Gay whore? Spelled exactly like you would think, or you would not think, I guess. G A Y W H O R E, gay whore amplifiers. Oh, there he goes. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that amplifier. Yeah, you want to uh, you want to look that up? Yep. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> I know a few I know a few gay whores and they're pretty loud. <laughs> they don't need to be amplified. They <laughs> they are their amplifiers. It's a Marshall, it's a kind of Marshall amplifier. Interesting. I'm, I found something that appears to be in Swedish, so I can't. I have to send it to Jonathan and see if he can tell us what they're talking about. 
I did find something called a butt kicker power amplifier. Yeah, gay whore preamp. <laughs> and it says there's this guy in Sweden called Thomas Larson, who's the guy who plays guitar in this. He's pretty famous for playing with Glenn Hughes in the Baltimore. He also modified his guitar amp, and he has this called a gay whore amplifier. Okay. Uh, still very, very curious. Uh, yeah, there's a image. Of, they've got a little logo, too. Look, doesn't look like a gay whore. He looks like somebody from Dilbert. <laughs> Dilbert. He does look. Look at the little guy that's the... <laughs> it just says whore. It just says gay whore on it. See? Maybe it means wow. something else in Swedish we'll have to ask. energetic version of burn i would say yeah i mean nobody's really nobody's really asking for anybody to redo burn but that hasn't stopped people from <laughs> doing it no. left and right it's not not, not a bad thing between I mean, richie great song. between richie and uh, uh, white snake and glenn hughes what would you uh rank that one? Oh boy that's um to think that's that's tough because I like the song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be artificially inflated because we are very familiar with the song and we love it. So, yeah. But I mean, there's also like a crappy version of it. But you know what I mean? If there's a crappy version of a great song, then you're not going to give it a good rating. So, um, I don't know. My my gut's telling me to give it a four. Hey, that's what my gut was saying. So I'll give it a four. I mean, it wasn't, um, it was refreshing after everything else. <laughs> yeah, well. Because that's what I want to hear. I mean, it was, it, the riff was was played well. Hughes didn't do too much crazy stuff outside of uh, um, what the original was. And he handled, you know, as usual, handles the Coverdale parts pretty well. And it has a, a timbre in production. That's absent on the rest of the album. Mm. And I do like that you what you pointed out, which is that he kept it faithful to the the record. Whereas even as early on as like California Jam, he was already going like nuts on it, which yeah, yeah. I don't I also don't mind. But because um, I think my first I think California Jam is the first time I ever heard that song. Um, so I have a fondness for it, but I like that he went for that very like smooth. It sounds like almost processed vocals. It sounds like he's double tracking it. It, it. The harmonies sound really good. So, and the, and the drumming was really, I didn't really talk about during the song, but he did a really fantastic job of, uh, of doing that. And that's not always, it's a tough song to do because Pacey is out of control on that whole song. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to emulate. And, but I think he did a really good job with it. Um, which leads us to our last track on the album. And that is You Keep On Moving. So this one's got a little bit of a... Oh, 
This one sounds like it could be on the album. So yeah, this one's uh, six and a half minutes because obviously we're we're seeing this um, this intro. Yeah, I think having the um, the guitar kind of noodling around on the intro does not serve it well. So I love how mellow the original is. Yeah, yeah, this is just like stretching it out for no reason. Yeah, that was almost two minutes. Is he singing with himself there? Maybe. It sounds like somebody else. Maybe he is singing with himself. If it is, it's definitely it has a different sound to it. what they did with the vocals there. Hmm. Keeping faithful to Lord's original parts. Yeah. I was kind of looking for him to do the. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think it's. I'm trying to remove myself from these two songs because obviously we know them and love them. Mm. But it does sound like the production has more oomph to it on these two than the previous 12. As far as just th- things seem a little more up front. Maybe it's just the style they went with because they were recording more hard rock songs. Or maybe they were trying to emulate Deep Purple a little bit more on these, but because I think there's some really good songs on the rest of the album that just don't benefit from the, the softer production. up the um, original version of the song just for track length. Five nineteen. So it's only a minute longer. Yeah. So that inflated intro kind of. Yeah, the intro went about minute forty-five. So they must have shortened it somewhere up somewhere else to. Or maybe the fade out or this ending part's not as long as on the original. Keep on moving. John, what do you think about that one? Um this one's this one's tough. It is tough to remove yourself from the from the original, isn't it? Um um, um, I'll give it a I'll give it a 3.5. All right. I, I love this song. Um, yeah. I think they, they did a pretty decent job with it. I think like the the intro and a couple of little things here and there kind of brought it down a little bit for me. But all in all, like a, a pleasant version. I don't know if I'd listen to these two ones again just because the originals exist. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's always hard to top an original when you're redoing a song like this. And, and you're not. Yeah. He didn't change much up from either enough to, to make it super compelling in any right, like, other way. So. Like if, if you got like Gillen doing child in time yeah. from his, the Gillen solo album in what was it? 76. Yeah. That's a different story. That's right? a great because example. He, yeah. Yeah. Because he changed it. He changed it enough. He kind of kept the same kind of thing. He did something a little bit different with it, but he kind of kept the same vibe to it and he was still performing it like really well, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, production, like his performance, everything. It was, it was different, but it was, it was like, wow. All right. So now I have like two versions that I could go listen to. Yep. I mean, these were for more or less pretty faithful to the original. So it's like, all right, why would I need to listen to this? 
Yeah, and I I think the yeah the intro of like the noodling guitar on top of the bass for me, um, it wasn't great. Like I what I really I guess I guess the thing is if you're gonna stick this close to the original, just stick close to the original. And and yeah. I, what I really love about the original is that after this really one of the heaviest in my opinion deep purple songs they ever did goes into this really doom, 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 this really right. mellow slow and deliberate building song and here you've got the same thing but you've got just guitar noodling over it which i just don't think adds anything to it or is necessary um but yeah i give it a 3.5 as well i think it's if it wasn't for the intro probably give it a four uh and both you know apart from the intro here and the other one and very great faithful reproductions of the original i love in burn actually how they kind of changed it up a little bit and added something a little bit additional with those two guitars playing that sounded really really cool um that wasn't in the original and then you keep on moving i mean he kept the the organ was doing its own thing but it, it really kept the lord's feel which i really liked so so yeah that's uh from now on and um while John fumbles with the spreadsheet, I will thank our next level of patrons. So if I can get this open here at the core level coming in at the $7.77 keep it warm rat tier we have none other than Michael Vader at the $6.99 new nice price tier we have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea. Then at the episode $6.66 tier, we have Steve Coldwell and Arthur Smith. Getting support from the patron Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows. At the $6.65 Almost Evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore and Richie Sucksmith. At the $6 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. At the $5.99 The Nice Price tier, we have Robert Smith and Carl Helberg. And at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Nights tier, we have Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5 Money Lender tier, we have John Convery, German Heidel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger, Slepikoff. Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zern, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and none other than Coyote Bongwater. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. Well, you know what time it is. It is time to bust out the spreadsheets. Well, John's busting out the spreadsheets. Right, John. You know the what rhymes with, version? You know what rhymes with tabs? Merms? Babs. She should just get, you know, when she was belting it out with Babs on that uh that show that we watched. Mm, so that's right. Maybe there's gonna be an <laughs> an ninth version of that song. <laughs> um, all right, so I, there, there's nothing to fumble with because I went back and there's no 
ratings in it. All right. Um, so you have to fumble. Well, John's. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can fumble with it a little here. Where is it? <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah, see? I see what I did wrong. Right, something is still not working here. Yes, yeah, so this happens to me sometimes, and then you're in the middle of reading the patrons, and I can't. Uh, you can't. Yeah, you're. It's just. I can't tell you to fix it. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Ah, huh, I wonder why. That's weird. I wonder why it's not. Um. Hmm. Yeah, it's not working. We're all fumbling with the spreadsheet today. You know what? I'll in desperation. I'm going to do this. Let's see here. And a lot of these formulas I put in, it might be a problem that the formula it doesn't go down far enough. Let's um, hmm. And yeah, you know what? I think that's what it is. What? The formula. Um, I I, I put it to like. Wait, no, no, no. That does go down far enough. Hmm. Well, this is a pickle scratcher. <laughs> yes, this is a pickle scratcher. Um, is that even a word? Is that even a phrase? I don't know. It is now. I don't know. Do you call your head your pickle? Call something else a pickle. Or is it a noodle scratcher? Yeah, it's a noodle or melon scratcher. All right, so I made it. I made it moderately filthy. I wonder if it's the. Let's see. Oh wait, what the heck did that just do? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't know what the issue is with this. Huh. All right, folks, no ratings for tonight. <laughs> well, we I could, could ma I could manually add them up. Yeah, I guess we could manually add it up. Um, <clears throat> well, cuz I'm looking at my to, to see if the formula goes down far enough. What was it 125? Oh wait, is that the problem? You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to edit this. Nobody wants to hear dead air while you're like, is this it? No. How about this? How about this? Is this it? How is this this? it? <laughs> oh, you know what? You no, I don't know what. Otherwise, I would have fixed it myself. I might have. It might mean that some of the other <laughs> album rankings are unreliable. But let's see. Does this work? Unre Aha! Unreliable. John actually liked. Who do they think? Who do we think we are? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? It's not tabulating up the number of, um, for some reason, it's not tabulating up the number of, uh, oh, I see. Well, wait, ah, you you messed it up. Okay, now I'll fix no, it I later. Didn't. That doesn't matter. Okay, folks, we're back. Technical technical difficulties. So, John, we're, <laughs> let's, uh. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, where does <laughs> a full start? Where does uh, uh, from now on rank in our overall album rankings? Toward the bottom, five point nine six. I liked it less than you, Dur. Um, it's um, it's actually it's it's um, it's down there with um. Not of this earth, Satriani. Bunch of Nick Simper stuff. Book, book of Talison. 
Yeah, Rainbow. Um, the Concerto, which, you know, that was a difficult ranking. But well, yeah, we think we just, and yeah. we probably, uh, if we did that episode now, instead of what, an episode seven or whenever we did it, yeah. um, <laughs> we would we would not have ranked it at all because we just kind of agreed when we talked about it. We're just giving everything a three because they're, it's hard to, they're not songs the, the way yeah. that these are songs. So it's right, but not it's, really a fair you know, ranking from now on is about like, you know, 12 from like the bottom. So it did not, uh, did not rank very well. And I, I would agree with it. Like I, like I'm looking at pretty much all of these albums down here and I don't think I would listen to any of these again. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, as we get into Hughes's the next few albums where he's really starting to find his footing after coming back, um, you'll see some, some differences, but yeah, we ranked the LA blues authority one a little higher than this one. And I would agree with that. I think that's, uh, that one I would go back to. Oh, that was, um, funny because, uh, when we were, we were at the show the other night and I can't remember what happened, but Gardo leaned over and he, uh, he yelled out that the New Hampshire blues authority <laughs> was in the house that night. Yes. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I hope I awesome. hope uh, Glenn Hughes and his band had all their papers in order <laughs> for the inspection. <laughs> hey, Gardot could have gone up there. I mean, he's a pool inspector. Yeah, so with, with his like suit the, on and just be like, all right, guys, I'm just going to I'm just have to go through some of your papers. Could you pull a week's worth of uh, paperwork so I could look at it and then we'll get started with the uh, with the inspection. Uh, he's got a little, <laughs> you know, he's got the flashlight. He was wearing his pocket protector that night. The Gardot? Yeah. Oh, probably so he can oh, put yeah. his like his sharpie in there for um for signing coasters. Yeah. Yeah, yep, I can see him looking like looking with his flashlight, like looking at it, like into the bass drum. Like, all right, this this all seems to check out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, the uh, the the Blues Authority did not. No, I think no authority stamped this album with anything. Um, outside of like a moderately cool cover album cover, like there's not really a lot that I would say is memorable on this album. Um, it was, it was just a, it was just kind of a mess. It was just all over the place. Um, would not recommend. Do not recommend. No, all no. Right. And I hate to, I hate to say that. I mean, you know, Glenn, God bless him. He tried, but, uh, you know, wasn't his best effort. Yeah. Well, I, again, I, I think just the, the way it was produced, the way it was uh, uh, just a, a bunch of songs he wrote with his current guys and then a couple of Thrall songs, a couple of or a Trapeze song, a couple of Purple songs. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it was a hodgepodge. Yeah, it was a hodgepodge. And he went into that knowing it. But um, um, do have actually a couple of uh, reviews which are not easy to find, but one of them is from Deep Purple Appreciation Society. Um, one of them is an announcement of the album, which I won't read. And then there's, um, this, which is the review. It says, um, I'm a little perplexed and slightly confused as to the mishmash of styles, suggesting that the tracks were written over a long period of time. I expected more of a strident, hard-hitting funk metal album, something like Living Color or Chili Peppers, and I'm surprised he played no bass on the album. As with Blues last year, the vocals stand out as the highest, as the highlight of the album. The really important thing is that Glenn is back and singing well. 
Walking on Water is my favorite. I think that was my favorite too. Um, funk metal as only GH can do it. A basic groove with deft touches of rock guitar and great bass variations. And that's by Roy Davies or Davis. Um, someone goes on. I don't know if it's him that goes on, but says the album does cover a wide range of styles and is much better than the LA blues set. Here we go from purple stompers, like picking up the pieces, the keyboards, especially to the bluesier based Brit rock as on lay my body down that says little here really begins to break new ground, but perhaps that wasn't the intention. It's more of a reaffirmation of Glenn's return to the fray walking on water and the liar both hold out some promise. The former is interesting, both lyrically and in his musical structure, lots of varying time changes, though these perhaps show up certain weaknesses in the drum department. While the sampled keyboards on the latter are a bit out of the ordinary and the ending where Glenn's working with the guitarist might have been worth making rather more of, as someone else said of the new take of Burn, why fix something that ain't broken? So there you go. That's uh, that. And then there was a, um, oh, I don't seem to have it here. There was something from the, oh, maybe I can just pull it up here. Uh, so there is this, um, Oh, you know why? It's oh, it's on the other file. That's why. Ah, here we go. Um, there is the Coast to Coast uh, magazine, issue number two, which you can get off of glennhughes.com. Um, there's a little bit of a write-up from... Who is it? Bill Jones for the news group. So he writes... He actually writes quite a bit, so maybe I'll just put it in the <laughs> put it in the show notes. Um, but at the end of his review, he says, um, "Can't blame them for trying a new approach." But gun to my head, I'd have to say that I prefer the original Tommy Volan version of "You Keep on Moving." Um, but uh, Glenn survives on his own just fine. The crowd gets into the act during the reprise of the verse. Oh wait, that I think he's talking about. He might be talking about burning alive, burning Japan alive at that point. Um, all right, never mind. I don't know my act together, so I'll, I'll just put a link to it in the show notes. But those uh, Coast to Coast magazines are pretty cool on glennhughes.com. Uh, you can check them out, and they've got you know reviews and stuff about um, what Glenn was doing. And these things are mostly from the mid-90s, so you'll get a sense of where he was at at that time. So, so yeah, um, I think before we wrap it up, I will uh, go on to our next round of patrons to thank them before we close out the episode and that is of course the foundation level peer peer tier coming in at the three pound 50 cent deep purple new york tier we have lord longford <laughs> there we go it always takes me a little hopefully with the new computer the uh the processing power will be faster of course mm. uh, it's my brain's processing power that um, is in question at the three uh -huh. pound aromatic feed tier we have simon ford and richard Brees. at the three dollar 33 cent halfway to evil tier stephen sharp and duncan leesk and at the three dollar nobody's perfect tier we have peter gardo ian derosier Mark Rubeck, <laughs> is that your frog impression? 
<laughs> Mark's frog and imp- uh, Mark John's frog impression looks a lot like a, a bunny rabbit. <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know what to do. It was like, <laughs> she's done this like a bul- bulging, you know, the bulging neck. All right, thank you, <laughs> Stuart McCord. Then we have. Ivan Fjeldboo. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard. Ruinous Inadequacies. John Maselli. Now Tate is gone. Tate is history. Tate is toast! It ain't gonna happen. Did, Mike. Did he say, was he saying taint? <laughs> Tate. T-A-T-E. <laughs> He's just like, taint is history. I hope not. It's like, ooh, Tony. No. So, yeah, Samantha was trying to uh, get into a college named Tate, and he was very against her wanting to get into that college. Um, uh-huh. I don't know why he's being okay. such a jerk about it. I can't remember. But <laughs> Okay, Michael Boyette. Uh, Corey Morissette and Ashley. At the $1.71 I want my own tier tier, we have none other than Rich Young Who the hell is that? At the 10 kroner tier, Karsten Lau. And at the $1 made up name tier, we have the, um, I guess the You Keep On Leaking. Leaky Mausoleum, <laughs> Stephen Somerville, Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, <coughs> Blackmore Tights, Steve Down to Earth, Kohler, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Anders Engstrom, ICDC, Durple Purple, and Purple Swede. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right, John, we did it. Um, this actually gets me very excited about the future Hughes albums because I feel like there's a pretty uh, a pretty big improvement as we go into the the later albums of the '90s as he finds his footing. So, yeah, and I mean, I'm not uh, you know I'm not really familiar with them, so um, I will I will discover them with you. Yes, and I'm not, I'm not, um, so his next album is Feel, which was a year later, and then Addiction the year after that, um, so mm-hmm. I think both of those albums are, as I remember them, a little strong, but again, not, uh, not albums I've listened to a million times. My favorite Glenn Hughes album, solo album, is, um, a long ways away, so <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it, um, I guess mm-hmm. when we get to it, but, um, yeah. and I won't yeah. give away my, uh what it is but we got nothing but time folks yep and nothing but a lot of other side projects too so mm-hmm. all right well john should is that it should we uh should we pack it up should we keep on moving yep yep from now from now on let's keep on moving <laughs> there and we go we'll see you next week because what is it gonna be who knows nobody knows <laughs> okay let's get out of here <laughs> all right see you next week <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. 
You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Earlier he called me. He was with his friends at the park and he called me. He's like, Dad, we're at the park and we were cleaning up some litter and guess what we found? A box of condoms. It says for her pleasure on them. He did not. I could hear his friends laughing in the background. I was like, okay. I was like, what do you want me to do about it? (laughs) Why are you calling me? Do you think I put them there?